Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have Edie Lehman Boddicker, one of the three or four biggest uh, vocal contractors here in Los Angeles. She hires uh, singers for film, television, uh, on stage, uh, live television as well. She's a tremendous musician, an excellent pianist, an excellent uh, singer. She has been on all sorts of uh, very famous recordings throughout history. She has a storied past. And I think you'll find it especially uh, fascinating if you're interested in um, what happens you know, behind the scenes here in Los Angeles when it comes to film and television in particular. Uh, if anybody knows about that, Edie does. I've worked with her quite a few times. She's been gracious enough to hire me for, for quite a few gigs. And um, I'll tell you, she's a joy to work with. She was a joy to talk to. I've known her for quite a while now. And um, she's just a lovely gal. So anyway, I really hope you enjoy the interview. Here's Edie. Listen to anybody else's yet. I you thought, haven't. Okay. I was just about to because I'd seen it like uh, multiple times, and there's so many people I'm very interested in. Yeah. And uh, and I just thought, well, if I listen to it, it might color my my thing before I. Actually... Well, it's funny because I I know that you've got like a tremendous past, and I think in the past, I, d I like did a Google search to see about some of the things that you've done, but it was a long time ago. So for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my kids did that same Google search. Yeah, so I yeah. haven't done that either. And I found yeah. I also found that I've had some interviews where I get overprepared. Like I'll read the person's book and I'll do all the online mm -hmm. research and I ask around and and then I I found that I didn't have um I don't know, I have trouble asking questions that I know the answer to already. I I feel really phony yeah. about it. Liar! Yeah, exactly. So I, I just, you know, and then you have to kind of wink at each yeah, other yeah, like, yeah, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to ask you this I question." Really yeah, so I tr I try not to do that. I try to be as unprepared generally in life as I can. So <laughs> <laughs> worked out well so for this you is so the far. Perfect, yeah, this is the perfect uh, outlet for me. Well, thanks for coming. I really appreciate I love, it. I love being here. It's I'm so nice. I know so it's a long honored. drive. Oh, I'm just I, I I can't even I can't even believe that I'm in the same company as you and people that you have already interviewed. I'm are just, you kidding? No, I'm not. Oh my kidding. God, you are seriously like Hollywood royalty as oh far as the gosh. music business well, goes. Oh Lord, Lord bless you. <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's start. I always like starting at the beginning about your about people's childhoods. I always find that that can be revealing. But I I also want to know like, um, we were talking downstairs and you said that your mother was in heavily in music. Is that um, is that how well, you how did that start? Both both of my parents were uh, born and raised in Hungary. Oh, okay. So we're I'm first generation American. I my, see. My parents are Hungarian, mm -hmm. German Hungarian, mm -hmm. and both of them were very um, musical. Mm -hmm. I would say my mm -hmm. father was someone who uh, he was raised in a very very small town in uh, Hungary, but he went and auditioned for the. Budapest Conservatory when he was in his late teens and two people were accepted uh, one violinist and he singing a simple hymn was accepted as a, vo a as voice uh, student and it was a big deal yeah but then the war happened I see and everything shut down my mom at the time was 14 and she was also studying opera um, and she had decided that she probably wasn't going to make her living as a singer, but she wanted to be an opera critic. Uh. <laughs> she is to this day a critic, but no, and wow. not just opera, but everything. But wow. um, so, and, and she escaped with her family out of Hungary when she was 14. So she never pursued her musical education any further. My father was the kind of a, a person who could pick up an instrument and play any instrument. Didn't know. Did he? No. Were your grandparents musical as well? I mean, did he grow um, up? Did they grow up in I, musical? I guess everybody. everybody yeah, everybody every, did. There was yeah, accordions. There was, sure. you know, that was the 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 thing of the day. Everybody played an instrument. In it every country, really, yeah, in every yeah. Western country. I yeah. mean, I, I've read that in New York, if an apartment didn't come with a piano, you know, in the twenties and thirties, you couldn't rent it. Like, right. The people I've, just expected there to well, be a piano. We need to get back to oh, that. Oh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> so, yeah. 
<laughs> so both both my parents were very very musical, but uh, didn't receive the training they had hoped to receive. I see. So when they saw any kind of uh, glimpse of spark of ability in their kids, it was mm -hmm. like, "You're doing it," because uh -huh. we didn't get that chance. So what did your parents end up doing? They, I assume they came through New York and yes, and... actually, um, my parents uh, they they had known each other when they were back in Hungary, mm -hmm. they got married when they were in Germany. Uh -huh. And then um, from there, my father uh, was a pastor. He became a, a, a pastor. Mm -hmm. And he was called to a church in New York, mm -hmm. a, hung a German church. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, he he spoke German was his primary language and Hungarian was his secondary language. I see. Even though he was born in, in Hungary. I see. So he, he started a... Um, he became a pastor here in in New York, and we—that's where I was born. Was in New York. In New York. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then you started studying music as soon as you could walk, or how did well, that? How, how did that work? Yeah. Well, there was there. Music was always, always surrounding us, and yeah. my both both my parents. Um, my mom sat me down the summer of my second year as I was just about to turn three she sat me down with my two older brothers and taught us the notes my two older brothers were kind of you know they were I don't know nine and and five at the time or four at the time or yeah and I was um I was the youngest but I I had immediate pitch recognition so the minute they taught me the notes my dad would I was three and he would pull these parlor games where he would have people over the house and say, Edie, go in the next room. <laughs> and then he'd play like these chords and he'd say, what notes am I playing? And I go, E, F sharp, G, L, a Are four or five. Serious? No, I just said all the notes that were in these these chords. And um, so he, they went, ah, okay, we got, we got to get her in. Do you have perfect pitch? Yeah. You do? Yeah. And well, then, yeah, what's your theory on perfect pitch? Are you born with it or do you develop it or is it a combination how of How could you develop it at three? I guess, yeah. No, it... it you either it, have it or you don't. It, it, there's, there's a couple of things about perfect pitch. There's absolute pitch, which mm -hmm. my, my piano teacher, Lillian Stuber, told me that I had absolute pitch. Mm -hmm. And it is of absolutely no value unless you're in an orchestra yeah. uh, on a date where you have to come in on a certain note and, and uh, you... Everybody yeah. wants to be with you because and they you all know have to be in yet. tune, or it's going to sound right, terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, my husband would like to believe that uh, you can uh, acquire it, mm -hmm. develop but it. Yeah. I think you can acquire relative pitch. I think perfect pitch is just something. It's like a pitch recognition mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that you're just born with. Yeah, I can get usually within a. I can get within a half step, but that's just muscle memory. Like if I can hum it to myself. I'm always very, very close, but it, I mean, that's, you know, that and two bucks will get me a cup of coffee. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, pitch recognition is, is, I think it's very more based on piano than uh -huh. anything else. I think once I heard and saw the notes on the piano, then when I would hear the note, I could see it on the keyboard. I see. I mean, I could see wow. the octave or I could see, I could see where it was with notes that bend like on a violin sure. or, i mean it was a little tougher mm -hmm. because it was so regulated to mm -hmm. and I, I hear 441 or for i hear it higher i see than 440 i see i'm so. glad i'm not married to you <laughs> being a tenor <laughs> no. i need you to hear it there's, at 400 <laughs> that really there's there's nothing magical about perfect pitch except that you can use it for your own benefit um and it just is not uh it's it's really nothing I I sure cultivated sure, sure. or worked on. No, I understand. And yeah. as quickly as it comes, it goes. Uh, I mean, as as you get older, your something occurs really? with your brain. It oh gets yeah, shaky. absolutely. Where where uh, I've heard a couple of people say this, and I'm not going to say. Well, I should say James Newton Howard, and there's another person with perfect pitch, uh, Jan Sanborn, who mm -hmm. also said that as you get older, you your pitch your your it's it changes so when it's you relative hear it. just to your age it, it, yeah right right when you're three it's rocking you know by the time you're wow 50, that's changing. interesting yeah so so yeah. you went to so did you you grew up in new york i know you were I, born in new I, york i i was uh in new york until i was eight until you're eight yeah and then and then to la from there or where and did then you from there my mom got a work transfer but my my early education in music happened in New York. In New York. In Buffalo, I had a, a piano teacher. My parents, when they, after the 
after the parlor games, yeah. they, they said, let's bring her to a piano teacher and see yeah. you know, what, what's what. So I was about four. And I started with uh, Leonard Penario's first teacher. Mm-hmm. Her name was Laura Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And she lived in Buffalo. And uh, she had a, a really fabulous old home where she had colored um, uh, glass bottles in this huge picture window that made it look like a a, like a kaleidoscope or yeah uh, yeah Yeah. it was just a beautiful memory for me and I studied with her from the time I was four till eight wow and when my mom got a work transfer at age eight and what was she doing uh my mom was in uh oh sorry my mom worked as a fashion buyer Oh wow! So she was one of the few women that she, that in her field at the time, and she she studied when she came over to America. Mm-hmm. She studied at night and got her uh, degree in business and and wow. did that. So um, so with with Laura, uh, she was very concerned moving cross country that I would find a teacher because mm-hmm. she didn't want me to stop. At the time, I was playing uh, Mendelssohn's Rondo Capriccioso at eight. I, I still today I pick it up and I can barely make it through and I'm wow. thinking what was that? I yeah. thinking how yeah, yeah, yeah. and I uh, I practiced but not I was always told that if I had practiced more I would just you know be yeah. awesome but it just yeah yeah it was a lot of but you know it's easy it's easy to ruin music for people too especially at such an early age it sounds like you were allowed to just play and have fun and you have. You, built positive associations with sitting at the piano and oh, I've been through therapy so yeah. it's, it's all good <laughs> yeah. no that, yeah. I I really tell parents nowadays do if you see uh, talent in your children they may or may not have the practice gene right. I did not have the practice gene that's right gene. yeah I I'd rather be outside and play same but with me I was forced to practice I was guilted into it you oh, know really? and it was like oh, okay I'll do it but if I hadn't had that yeah. kind of discipline imposed on me, mm-hmm. I would have quit at five. That's a two-edged sword, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you moved out here when you were eight. When I was eight. And you did your teacher back in Buffalo find you a teacher yeah, out actually, here? Yeah, uh, actually, Laura, uh, Leonard Panario was here at the time mm-hmm. at the Young Musicians Foundation, and he was teaching here, and besides concertizing. And, mm-hmm. um, he recommended a teacher at USC. Uh-huh. Uh, however, she only taught grad students. Her, t- her students at the time were Danny Pollock, uh, Andre Watts, Adrian wow. Luis. You know, she had uh, these Tandre, met, yeah. all, all mm-hmm. grad students. Mm-hmm. But, and so the idea was that I would play for her and she would place me with one of her grad students. Mm. And her name was Lillian Stuber. Mm-hmm. And Lillian was at the time the chair of the piano department. Uh, at USC. I see. Uh, John Crown uh, was prior to her, the mm-hmm. chair, and she, she became the chair mm-hmm. after him. And so I was eight, and I played the Mendelssohn's Rondo Capriccioso, and I remember she just, uh, she stroked her upper lip, mm-hmm. and she said, I'm really tempted to take you myself. Wow. So at the age of eight, I started studying with Lillian, and my recitals were Danny Pollock and Cinda Gould Redman and Nancy Ricard. You were just part of the I was just, I would come with my pigtails playing my pieces while the grad students would play their amazing pieces. (laughs) So I was like, "Uh," that was my peer group. They were awesome. I mean, were you pegged as a child prodigy just by, by everybody? Yeah, but well, I, I, what was that I, like? I might have I might have had the chops for it, but I didn't have the heart, the, the passion. The, for, for, oh, uh, well, I loved playing. Yeah, but I hated practicing. Why did you love playing? Was it was it making music? music? Oh, because I love it. Wasn't music, the it wasn't still... the adulation and the applause and the uh, the power that, that you got that from that? That doesn't do anything. That's nice. See, that's a nice story. No, it's to this day. <laughs> to this day, that's that's my main motivation. I'm, I'm looking at your face, and it. I, I think you're telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that lie detector test? No, it's really nice. You know, well, I mean. I, I really, it didn't really click for me until I, um, until the Schoenfelds found me. When Alice and Eleanor Schoenfeld found me, I was, um, I was about nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, um, I, I had be- begun studying at uh, USC Prep School. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I, was that? What's USC Prep School? I haven't it heard was, of that. There was a wonderful prep school at USC prior to the Colburn School. Mm-hmm. They met in this old mansion on Adams called the Clark House. Okay. And Clark House 
had uh, many teachers there and young younger students, USC prep school. Wow. It was basically that. And I studied with uh, Morton Lordson theory when I was about 10. What? So skip. Oh my God. <laughs> and 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 uh, Patrice Russian was in that school as well. Mm -hmm. And and um, and the Schoenfelds heard about me through Lillian because mm -hmm. they were looking for a duo partner for Lilith Gampel, who mm -hmm. was a violinist, mm -hmm. a child, a, definitely a child prodigy right. violinist. Right. And at the age of seven, she soloed with the Israeli symphony with Zubin Mehta oh when gosh. he was in Israel. Sure. So that, that was where, um, would you think that that, I mean, it sounds like that you happened to be at the right place at the right time, like this oh, golden age that. of, of Los Angeles classical mm -hmm. music. I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem to be like that anymore. You know, it's I, I see all their names on buildings now. You know, Alice Schoenfeld and Alice and Eleanor Schoenfeld. And I'm thinking, you know, that that was a very, uh, you know, kids in practice, uh, lots of music in schools, you know, things mm -hmm. that you don't. It's just not part of the no. curriculum anymore. No, it's it's all so, it has to come fast and easy, and the things yeah. that we did took years. Yeah, and it seemed like there was a huge um, network and support system for people of all ages to excel in music. I don't know if it was, I don't know, maybe classical music, obviously classical music was just more important then, but was it part of the, f was it was it connected in any way to the entertainment business or the film business at the time? It was Not just for the love of classical Not music. Not at all. It wasn't until I started doing session work that I saw uh, USC other... faculty, you know, Harris Goldman on a session. I'm going, what are you doing here? Right. He's paying going, the bills. Yeah, paying the bills. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I, I came out. I, I actually went deep into chamber music uh -huh. in, in my teens. That's where... I fell in love. The collaborative element. The teamwork. Yeah, yeah. That to this day is that's what music is about for yeah. me is the teamwork. It's funny. I had an, a diff, another pianist on the on the show, um, Rob Thies. I asked. You know, yeah. yeah. So Rob feels the same way. He's he's like that's where the that's where it is for me. He loves uh, me the collaballative element me of it. Too. And so the Alice and Eleanor. After I worked with Lilith Gampel for several years and. Then they put me in a trio with Nancy Yamagata, who's mm -hmm. now Nancy Schindler. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Schindler. Or Sch uh, mm -hmm. Forgive me, Nancy. Uh, and Nancy Park, who's in the Chicago Symphony wow. as a violinist. So mm -hmm. a, we were a piano trio, mm -hmm. and we performed all over and did the, the uh, uh, Coleman won the Coleman for the junior division, the Coleman Chamber of Music for the senior division. And we memorized all our trios. And how old were not, you? You were... Uh, this Early was from teens? the age of like 13 till I was 19. Wow. And at 19, we, the three of us, did the opening concert at Ambassador Auditorium with the Beethoven Triple Concerto. Oh, my gosh. So that was like the my last. The Ambassador where RFK was assassinated? No, the Ambassador, oh, the Ambassador Auditorium, Auditorium oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, uh, the, in, at Ambassador College in Pasadena. I see. Yeah. I see. So. And where did you go to high school? You said you were doing that I at just, I, I kind of. I went through high school very quickly. Didn't even have the high school experience because at the time I was also gigging. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I yeah I was doing the the trio, but then I also uh, I did a, um, uh, yeah, California Junior Miss thing and did that for a year. What is that? It's a scholarship foundation now. It's called the Distinguished Young Women of America. Mm -hmm. California's Junior Miss was a. Uh, it's not really a pageant because they didn't do a bathing suit competition. I see. And through that organization, I met Kathy Lee Gifford, mm -hmm. who's, who was then Kathy Lee Epstein. Mm -hmm. So I did that in my college, in my um, high school, high school senior year as well. So. So were you enrolled in a particular uh, yes. high school? I went to L.A. Baptist uh, High School and then also to Poly Polytechnic High School in Sun Valley, and I graduated a half year early and went to a. Uh, Cal State Northridge for the last half of my senior year. Never got the pomp and circumstance. What? Never got the robe. And never what did about all USC? That. Did you end up going to USC after I, that? I or? did. I kind of seamlessly. I don't know how it happened. You were already there. Basically. I was already there. Yeah. So I, I already got in, and and um, I, I did two years at USC, and until and I just got my transcripts last week. It was so funny. Uh -huh. I, I thought I'm going to finish this one day. Nice. Um, but I went through uh my up to my junior year and I took mostly I was a piano performance major mm -hmm. 
but at the time um, my teacher by that time Lillian had passed away and I was studying with various teachers they were throwing at me mm-hmm. and nobody nobody it was, it was just a different no and I, and I was already starting to do singing session work at the time yeah how did you become a singer did you ever did you study voice in particular not at all in no. fact Doug Lawrence tried to teach me voice bless your heart Doug <laughs> and he said you know let's just it, it was really not going to happen. I don't know what it was. He, he he asked me to sing a scale. So I sang, you know, the best stylized scale I could sing. And yeah. he goes, can you just, just sing a straight scale? And I go, well, that would sound terrible. <laughs> and he said, without any effect. Yeah. Let's just talk for, and he didn't want to, I guess, didn't want to change my sound or my style sure. at the time. And, and so you um, obviously had an aptitude for it. I had been singing at church uh, since I was about 15. Uh-huh. And previously, of course, singing with my family and quartets and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I started singing, and my passion really was Motown and, and R&B. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, t- nothing classical. I had no, only classical on the piano and only pop and R&B, R&B. with the voice. I yeah. mean, was there a time when you... Uh, really made a decision to to move from piano and from ensemble piano playing to into vocal work because i i I only know you as a vocalist and i get the feeling that that's primarily what you're known for in this town at least at this point i mean you're one of the you're one of the big i would say three contractors in town at this point maybe four Mm -hmm. you know uh and that's all vocal stuff so how what did you come to a point at which you were like well you know i've got to i've got to stop or at least I've got to shelve the piano thing and really go for the singing thing. It it kind of just just happened, happened by just, itself. Just through just, opportunities. Well, as I I tell new singers that come up in the the business, this whole business is relational. Mm-hmm. And from the very first session I did was as a result of um, my association with Kathy Lee Gifford. Uh-huh. She was doing her first uh, gospel album at the time. And I had written a song called Author of Love that was like Carol King-ish. Yeah. And she needed like an up-tempo gospel song. Contemporary, and, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I, I played it for her and she said, I really want to record this. And when she recorded it, she invited me down to the recording studio. And from there, I was sitting in the booth and she said, we need a third part on this. Why don't you come out? And with Mishy and she and I, we sang three part. Uh, uh, how on, old were you? Uh, 17. What? Yeah, 17, 18, yeah. So from that session, uh, the producer of that session took notice uh, mm-hmm. and and recognized my musical ability has always been the thing I think that propelled yeah. me more right. than your musicianship. Than, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's what started. From that, I got one job. Then on that job, I met other singers who were that wanted to use me for another job, and it just snowballed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so you stay. You really stayed in the. Uh, R&B, Motown? I, well, that's where my love was. I ended up going totally and completely into the jingle world. And that's a whole different world that even singers now don't all necessarily know. Right, it's, yeah. It's really about how to... It, it, it's more about my ensemble playing mm-hmm. that came through, is breathing together, saying your vowels and your your consonants together and pronunciation together, and you don't even... you don't overanalyze it you just do it you don't go we're gonna we're gonna scoop into this and do a follow yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah it's a style together. that you all know and yeah. it's it you know my hero at the time was bonnie herman mm-hmm. singers unlimited and so i was constantly you know com- not compared to her but she was held up as the the, the, ultimate, the paragon the, yeah mm-hmm. yeah the mm-hmm. Apex, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I I copied her as much as I could, and got and she a lot was a jingle. Work. She was a jingle. She was in Chicago. And okay. She was a jingle singer in Chicago, very well known. I mean, there just singer. aren't jingles anymore. I think <laughs> that's that's part of <laughs> that's, it. That's that's right? part of it I mean, right there. Ever, but you know. yeah, that but that was the school. That and a lot of TV, um, a lot of TV specials, a lot of TV work. Where, and when was this? What 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 years? In the seventies? <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, Nineteen. Sure, I'll go there. Yeah, Why yeah. not? Um, I, I kind of started doing it in 76, okay. 77, uh-huh. and I got my SAG card in 77. It's around when the Osmonds were, were huge, Yeah, and I, right? did, I did a little bit of that yeah. show. Yeah. I mean, do you, like, do you like doing on-camera work? I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, I ended up doing it 
a lot, yeah. Uh, well, I ended up doing it a lot, but then I ended up doing a, a, a soap for two years. So. You did? Oh, this I want to hear. Let me guess. Uh, one Life to Live. Nope. Uh, General Hospital. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. What did you do? I was a concert pianist. Are you serious? Yeah. I wasn't an actress, but I was a concert pianist. So wow. They, so they had the real deal on the show, and they they they, they treated me great. Right. I, You're the only one that could do what you were I doing. Did, I mean, it was like, man, she's really cheap. You know, she's got she substance. She's, doing, yeah. she's not just talking; she's playing. Her. And did you had lines too? Like you were? Did you yeah, do? You did. I had I had a, a big storyline. You did for two years. Really? Yeah, it was so much work. Did you enjoy it though? Uh, well, I was scared out of my wits the first week or yeah. two weeks, and then at some point, the leading man he was so in my camp. His name is Tristan Rogers. Uh -huh. He played a character called Scorpio. Uh huh. And he was so kind to me because he saw me as a singer musician and and not like just another actress yeah. that would come in. You were really and something special, yeah. He on set. he wanted me in that role, so he was going to make it happen for me, and he he did. I was on there for two years. And how old were you then? Yeah, at that point, I was I think in your twenty thirty of thirty. Uh huh. Was, yeah, I had already done. A slew of jingle work and and records by that time with like Madonna and Quincy and oh Aretha yeah let's talk about that, that. Mm, you know yeah. I'm trying to get Stephen Bray on the uh, oh Stephen yeah. we did we did a whole album together yeah we've got we've got some mutual friends and um, what was that like working in that in that period of time with Stephen and Madonna and all those folks um, Stephen was awesome yeah. Stephen and Pat Leonard they were really you know they were doing damage control with madonna as much as possible in what way what do you mean well you was know she a she's, mess or what no she just yes yeah but um she was not at the happiest point of her life I see. she was still married to sean penn at the uh -huh. time uh -huh. and uh, uh i think she's a marketing genius oh, absolutely and yeah. she's actually quite a good songwriter mm -hmm. um and not a bad vocalist, and I think she's she had gotten better. Mm -hmm. She got better and mm -hmm. better. She's a great dancer, hard worker, hard yeah. worker. Mm -hmm. But it was it was tough. Yeah, it was. There's a lot of uh, I would say negative energy on the session. Yeah, I would imagine that that's pretty common when you get to a certain level in in any career, at least in entertainment, where there there are like sycophants and hangers on and people that just really just want to take advantage of somebody. Did, was that? Did you see that happening? Uh, I I didn't uh, because it was just three of us. Yeah, it was just Madonna, Saida Garrett, and myself, and mm -hmm. we did her whole album just the three. Which of us. album was it? Um, it was True Blue, and oh it's Papa Don't Preach, yeah. La Isla Bonita. You know, all the it was a big album. For wow. Her, yeah. Was that the? Would you say that was the most the biggest commercial album you've been on, or no? I don't know. Did you I do think Thriller? Aretha. I did Aretha. I did some stuff with Michael. <sighs> But, um, Greatest album of all time for me. Oh, Thriller. I remember the day I got that for Christmas in a cassette. Off the Wall for me. Off the Wall was great. Was just, and I, I, I think when, when, um, I actually I knew my husband back in those days, but we were just friends at that time. Really. But he was all over that album on Off the Wall, and and he and I did a tour with Quincy Jones together, and I worked with Quincy on Back on the Block and a couple other things as well. But doing live shows. Yeah, it uh -huh. was it was um back in I think it was 82. Mm -hmm. They had uh shows um called Budweiser Superfest where they did these mega mega shows with like 60,000 people arenas. This was across. back in like the Bob Geldof days when those yeah, things were huge, happening huge, everywhere. Huge. Yeah, yeah. And uh and Quincy took uh the most amazing all-star band of session guys uh -huh. including all the sea wind horns and jerry hay and greg fillingaines and jr on drums and i mean the the top guys session guys took yeah. them on the mm -hmm. road that that didn't happen in those times mm -hmm. in those times people just wanted to stay in town and do sessions and yeah quincy said well we'll just work on weekends so you can do these big things so, wow so we went on tour that summer and did that how was that was that it was awesome yeah it was, it it, was great it gets t it i've been on tour a couple of times i find that it gets tiring yeah oh it's, it can it's be tiring, like you don't know what city we, you're in half the time but this was only thursdays through sundays oh i see and then it wasn't every weekend but it was about eight weekends so you fly out to wherever yeah, it was happening yeah, yeah the sound check do it and go yeah, home yeah go home. oh man that's, that's great awesome it was uh patty austin james ingram oh my god uh, and then it was uh phil perry philip ingram and myself 
and we were the singers and and then there was the band and Quincy was in front. And oh, wow. It was really cool. Yeah. And what about um well, that was 82 so I was yeah. Yeah. And so from I mean really since I'm trying to put this together. I, since you were a teenager, you've been performing at at the highest level basically. Probably. And when did you get into when did you get into con and why and when did you get into contracting for these things? I think uh, contracting for me, mm -hmm. uh, it it didn't happen by design. It just happened uh, because I would recommend my way out of more jobs than I took. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I think pretty early composers, producers, songwriters knew that if they called me to do a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they described to me what they were looking for vocally. That I'd go, well, I can sort of do that. But, but here's the person this, yeah, who yeah. can really kill it is mm -hmm. so and so. So talking about relational, I passed it forward for long, long time mm -hmm. because I, I wanted them to have the best person yeah. available. And it gives you a good reputation. People know that you're not going to snowball them when, when yeah. they really need something. Well, you know, as opposed to actors who say. Um, uh, you know, if they call and they ask if you can speak in Hungarian, just tell them you can yeah. and just show and up. Figure and figure it session. out. Yeah. I did the exact opposite. I just said. Unless it's exactly ah, in yeah. your wheelhouse. Unless yeah. it was Ricky Lee Jones or something like that that I absolutely nailed. Mm -hmm. I would just say, no, you know, I know somebody who could really do it better. Yeah. And I think that's what started it. That and the fact that people would then send me their material mm -hmm. for, for me to recommend them. Mm -hmm. Did it happen at a point, do you think, uh, because I, I, in the very short amount of time that I've been in the music business, which has only been, I don't know, 15 years or so, I've, even I've seen a change in revenue streams and where people work. And I'd, I, I think when I hear you t telling these stories, I have this like romanticized idea of this age where there was so much work for musicians um, because of, of, of closed distribution and because of actual selling actual items to people like tapes and records and CDs. and Has it been the Internet that has kind of clamped that down? Is it technology that's become so easy for people to use that that, that type of work is less available or, le or just doesn't exist like it used to? I mean, it's the things that you're describing to me sound like they're mostly obsolete these days. Like I just don't hear of that kind of work anymore. It, it used to be, I think the 80s were a big deal in terms of um, records and in terms of commercials for singers. Yeah. I think you either were, a, like the Waters were on absolutely everything, Orin and Julia and Maxine mm -hmm. Waters. Mm -hmm. You either did records and you did some commercials or you did commercials and you would do two, three, four dates in a day. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know of that happening. It did, yeah, it just since. doesn't happen anymore. Um, and jingles are, you know, those those would be for commercials. And you do, there were television specials. There were films mm -hmm. at that time, too. And we did Feel Like Apocalypse Now and um, Testament and Deadly Blessing and some really, really ones that really date me. <laughs> but um, those, that wasn't the pinnacle the jingle work was the the commercial jingle work was the pinnacle. Really, because that was where you had the the largest return on your investment on your time. of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could do a, you know, a, a Ford commercial or you do a Honda commercial. You go Honda, and then you'd make fifty thousand dollars right. on it or something. It was right. crazy. It was right. it was one of those. I've done uh, one or two of those things in the time that I've been doing it. It seems like there just isn't. That just isn't happening anymore. I mean, I, I'll tell you, in this house, we get our all of our entertainment online, and I we rarely even see a commercial. Yeah, yeah, frankly. and and commercial, it it kind of in the '90s that sort of went away, and they did needle drop and licensing for actual songs that are on the then on the radio. And I think right. other people can speak more to what the internet has or hasn't done. But I think 
one thing you cannot stop is technology, and one thing that the internet does provide is instant access to amazing content, music, of all and kinds. content. Yeah. And and what my kids are doing is they're buying LPs. Yeah, you know, yeah. vinyl is coming back really strong, for sure. and uh, even CDs. For sure, they want to own the actual thing. Thing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, there are always going to be uh, resurgences, uh, vintage mm -hmm. <laughs> stuff that comes back and mm -hmm. that people realize the sound quality was so different mm -hmm. on an LP than it is even on a CD. Right. That it is. Although I have to say, I remember when CDs came out and it was, I mean, I can remember exactly, very vividly, um, Sting's Nothing Like the Sun on CD and, I, and Peter Gabriel's So on CD and I thought, Holy cow! Like th this is, th I mean, this is an experience that I've never had before. <laughs> I really, I've never, I honestly can't say that when my mom put the sting on on uh, a record, uh, yeah. that I thought, man, this is the best sounding thing. But boy, when I, so I don't know, I I don't know if there's a, it's obviously a, a huge had, nostalgic element to. You had records. to hear Asia. You had to hear Steely Dan on LP, or yeah, or or even something to that effect where you could hear everything around you. I mean, it's the digital aspect of music. Yeah. When I, I remember when that first came into play as opposed to analog digital, there was some component to digital that sapped your strength, that saps energy. I, that I understand. I feel like the, I feel like the sound is so wide and it is so stereophonic, uh, where your ears no longer are doing the work in, cre in creating the stereo sensation for your brain. It's just, it's being bombarded in some way. I, I think that's, because I, I, I feel that way. Yeah, I do understand I think, that. I think so too. Where the mono sound allows your brain to do what it's supposed to do, which is to there create the stereo. stereo sound. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with your ears. There you go. That's interesting. Well, I've got a record player in the, <laughs> in the basement. I don't know, Good. maybe I'll get it out. We've yeah. got tons of records. Yeah. Um, so would you say that most of your work now comes through is it primarily film or film and television? Do you do both? Do you still I, do recordings for? I do both. I do all. I do all three. You do. Um, yeah, I'm working with Herb Albert on a film on a uh, LP. on an album. Yeah, did uh, some of Neil Young's stuff. Uh, did I still do? Yeah. I, and I'm still a hired Indian on on other people's sessions. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. I'm very happy to. That's something still work. I see a lot. Yeah, whenever I do a session, as yeah. I see. You know, I see all the other, I see yeah. Jasper and the, yeah, yeah. you know. The contractors, Bobby and Sally and Jasper and um, a number of others are 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 working members. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference as opposed to the musicians. The singers, the vocal contractors have to be a member of the group. Mm -hmm. So that pretty much means you, you still have to sing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to be viable, not just, you know. Yeah. But I always hire up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, always yes, hire that's the smart. Best. That's smart. And yeah, so I. I, I and uh, is it always expected that you run the session, that you do the conducting, and that no, you, no, no. In fact, it's. Uh, I think John Powell was was probably my largest foray into a vocal contracting because mm -hmm. he also had me conducting. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't like to conduct. Yeah. But I, uh, when I worked with Sh uh, Shirley Walker as her contractor mm -hmm. way back when. Uh, she conducted. Uh -huh. um, oh, and we I, did the session with Eric. Yeah, he conducted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and when uh, uh, there will be other sessions where they will bring in uh, an orchestra conductor. Mm -hmm. and that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And and there are some that I work really well with mm -hmm. that really understand the nature of vocal contracting. That I would rehearse the singers, mm -hmm. and they basically, you know, conduct. And that, I see. that that works that works really well because I see. I, I think w the thing I love and I really hope I can get into this more is I love conducting um, on sessions mm -hmm. because it's it's different from conducting live in what way because you're working the click yeah um, what they are looking at is music for the first time mm -hmm. they may or may not have rehearsed it. Mm -hmm. You may have opening pitches and it's the red light. That's it. That might be it. So what you need up on top uh, on the podium, mm -hmm. you don't need somebody beating time because mm -hmm. you've got that going on mm -hmm. in your headset. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at music, so anything has to be peripheral 
vision of the conductor. Mm -hmm. So my my motions have to be big, yeah. and they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to be um, where you come in, yeah. mm -hmm. where you cut off, mm -hmm. and dynamics That's because right. sometimes it's hard to read the notes the 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 words and the dynamics all at one time mm -hmm. but if you can see out of the corner of your eye the conductor bringing you up or bringing you down you it's That's very taken helpful care of for you yeah for and, sure and i i treat conducting uh from the podium as what i would need to see or would like to see uh -huh. from the conductor on a session uh -huh. again completely different than than live which i i like doing it but there are so many people that are m imminently more qualified to do that than me but conducting with to click let me add it yeah, and, yeah. and also if there's anything that has um rhythmic nature or a, a, a syncopation yeah so, or, mm -hmm. or any kind of um style swing <laughs> or yeah. like mm -hmm. john had me doing happy feet where it was uh 63 voice choir singing Stevie Wonder's I Wish. Oh. Uh, you try to you, you try to be a normal conductor. You can't. can't. You're dancing. Yeah. That's all you're doing is you're you're what we're bringing you're whipping everybody into a frenzy That's basically right. to get them to give. And it does come across. It does. That's something that I've learned that I didn't anticipate too is that if you're uh, at least for session work um what you're thinking about actually gets put down on tape. Yeah. It's crazy, <laughs> you know. As a, for good or bad. I mean, as a classically trained yeah. musician, you're 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 you think about other things. I mean, I I don't like when I was doing the Happy Feet two thing, and I, I was fortunate enough to work with George Miller uh, over Skype, and and he was directing me, and he would say, you know, smile when you sing that part, or, or think of this, and and I don't know, he heard a difference. Yeah, it's acting. It's I crazy. Mean, singing and acting are very closely related mm -hmm. and very often good singers are great actors as uh -huh. well uh -huh. and and directability it's the same with a singer you direct them mm -hmm. uh, with the way you would direct an actor yeah right know? now did you ever get into live performing like um, you know like Broadway musicals and that kind of thing when you're all made up in costume and did you do would you ever were you ever drawn to that or was that I never I did that mm -hmm. um, I, I did some of that in uh uh, I, I was a member of a very large church that would put on Hollywood productions, mm -hmm. and I was like the um, Ma the Mary Poppins kind of character at a, in a Christmas play, where I was, you know, it was yeah the the stage. whole acting thing and stage was thing. that wasn't your bag. I I I just it that door didn't open, mm -hmm. and I didn't pursue it. Mm -hmm. I did various. Uh, things having to do with musical theater all, all my life in yeah. terms of recording, mm -hmm. but um, no, I didn't. I didn't do. It just wasn't. Yeah, you had so many other opportunities. I just, I just had my door. I the yeah. door opened for what it opened and for, and I kept, kept going yeah. through whatever yeah. doors would open. Up. Those were hell, those were great doors. I, I mean, just, and I just have to also say that um, I didn't really acknowledge it enough. But when you talked about vocal contracting and conducting, that um, it really wasn't until my association with John Powell that all that um, that really came. fell into he's, place. He's a he's a real champion. He's, he's very he's loyal. He's a champion yeah. and very loyal, and also really wants uh, the best that this town can offer, and and gets it because mm -hmm. of the for the right reasons. Respect, yeah, yeah the for the right reasons. Have for him. I agree. I I just adore him. He adores you. He I, just thinks you're awesome. I, I think you're awesome. Oh, aren't you? So I, I know, start. I start. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing I noticed when I got into the the biggest thing that I noticed when I first got into uh, session work, thanks to you, was the the amount of secrecy that goes into each job, and that and, and that to me is fascinating. And I I wanted to ask you about. I think I know why that is. I think I think it must make your job very difficult when everybody is pining for the same very small um, position, you know. And people take it personally. And I have a feeling that if I were in your shoes, that would probably be the only way to maintain friendships in this business. Um, I wanted to get your take on that. Like, what what is that? What is that like? And why do you have to do it? And is that true for all vocal contracting in town? Is that um, kind of the thing? I don't know if it's true for all vocal contracting in town. Mm -hmm. I do know that 
the the awesome part about being a vocal contractor is that you uh, you get to call people, and the horrible part about being a vocal contractor is that you can't call everybody. But, yeah. And they've slashed and burned our budgets too. Yeah. You know where you're used to be 60, 70, 80 singers, uh, thanks to John Powell, yeah. 83 singers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then going down to 40, 30, 20. 24, mm -hmm. and um, and I really uh, I take very seriously what uh, the session. Uh, direction is in terms of sound mm -hmm. and try to not just hire not hire friends but hire who's the best right people for that job and there might be the the bench is so deep yeah. for every yeah, yeah, job yeah. so if somebody says oh, i'm so sorry i can't do it it's like yeah, it's okay <laughs> you got eight people behind you that are yeah. just as awesome i can as please you. two people i can offer it's, one it's, and hire one it's yeah. just um, and the, the for me the secrecy is is so more out of kindness. Yeah, just yeah. to be kind to you because the singer community is a very tight knit community. Mm -hmm. I like it tight knit. Yeah, I like to be able to um, utilize a lot of the community, not mm -hmm. just I don't have my my own little group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I, I'm not perfect in that either. There are times when I think, ah, I should have used so-and-so. And they really were right for it, but they didn't occur to me. And, yeah, and sure. So, um, it must be really it's, a real tightrope. It's yeah. tough because, you know, you could make somebody's month. You could make their year. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could make their their mortgage payment because they're on that mm -hmm. job or not, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And that that's that's not that's not easy. Also, I know, you know, Social media is beneficial, but that's a real tightrope too. As to will that generate more work for you, or will more people go through your pages going, "Gosh, I wasn't on that. I wasn't on that yeah, either." Yeah. Hey, there's fifty singers. How come I'm friends. not one of those fifty? I didn't even, I didn't even make the cut for fifty. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, oh god, that's horrible. That's a horrible. And it's not thing. personal. It's really not because you're so likable and you seem to have such a great whenever i see you in a, any kind of set, social setting you always everybody wants to be around you i mean you're really such mm -hmm. a sweet person i would imagine is that the hardest part of this job or is it like the pa what about the paperwork and the contracting how do you ne do uh, nego is it a do you have to negotiate the fee or those things that you have to do or are this all laid out no the fee is is set it's just laid out um, mm -hmm. but um the paperwork i i uh, i'm an avid bookkeeper okay. anyway i do all my own books and uh i i I do have a bookkeeper that comes in once a week, but I make entries. I, I'm on QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I like that aspect. Mm -hmm. I like the paperwork aspect to a degree. Uh -huh. You know, when you have but 80, it's not a burden so much. Uh, it, well, it's hard work, and but you definitely get uh, you definitely earn the little bump that you get as a contractor making the the calls or now sending out the emails sure. and doing checking Scheduling. the paperwork mm -hmm. getting the paperwork together mm -hmm. you do not have to negotiate any kind of wages for anybody mm -hmm. that thank god i work union mm -hmm. sag aftra only so right it's already set right should... right now your husband michael is a longtime musician as well how did you guys meet we met on an Alpha Beta commercial. What? If anybody's old enough to <laughs> I remember, remember Alpha, Alpha Beta. Beta. Sure, of course. Yeah, and he provided the synth, brr, brr, and I provided the Alpha Beta singing, and, and uh, I think it was a John Tartaglia session. And how long ago was that? Was that? 1978 or nine? Yeah. Yeah. And a while had, ago. Wow. Okay. And uh, do you guys ever work together? Um, we have over have. In, the, in the past. I, I mean, it's an, I, I ask this of people who are in relationships with other musicians. I, my wife is a singer. Um, our very close friends are both musicians. And uh, I don't know, Some I feel like, do you guys, you don't, it seems like you're in different parts of the business. Though, so you don't really we, compete that much. No, we don't. Well, yeah. no, not at all. I mean, we do, we do work together. It's a little tricky, mm -hmm. I think, as husband and wife. Mm hmm um, because you know each other so well, and uh, he's pretty good about it. If I, I I've done several projects where he's been the producer, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he has astounding ears. Mm -hmm. 
amazing ears and he can comp a vocal better than anybody i know he's 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 got it down to a science where he has a graph you know with um, a you know one line two second line third line fourth line and yeah. then a b c d e you know which is the best but uh i have tremendous respect for him uh but we haven't worked together just he and i a, I a see. lot we 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 have done projects where i'm one of a group three or a group four that I bring in and and uh, that and, and how about son. your kids you have one I have two. two I have actually I have two at home but I have four uh, kids two biological and two we we don't call them step but they are uh, my kids Jessica who's up in Oakland and Nicole who's in Chicago and those are Michael's those are kids Michael's. from a previous marriage. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. do are are they all in music? How did they? What? They all are musical. Yeah. But neither of them pursued music. One of them uh, got her degree from USC in at the Marshall mm -hmm. School. The business, yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, my daughter Nicole got her degree from University of uh, Chicago, mm -hmm. and in um, biology, and became um, uh, got her master's and is an RN right now. So nobody's uh, pursuing music, not, none of the kids. Not of the older two. How about the how about Younger your kids? Two. Oh yeah. 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 So but, there wasn't any kind <clears throat> of like, oh, I'm I'm not going to get into the family business. Forget it. I think it was with the older two a mm -hmm. little bit of that, mm -hmm. but the younger two they couldn't they couldn't escape it. Yeah. I mean it they they're both uh, amazing musicians and singers. My son played piano and then started guitar and just went. Uh, crazy on guitar and is a fabulous singer songwriter. Wow! Just uh, and he's pursuing that professionally. He, he know what? He's actually yeah to a degree mm -hmm, professionally, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. he has a band. He mm -hmm. also plays uh, solo by himself around town mm -hmm. in various venues. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's but but his his lyrics are he should publish a book of poetry. They are just phenomenal. Wow. And he's got a, a real tender voice, a you know, really a singer-songwriter voice. My daughter studied with Stephanie Vlahos, mm -hmm. uh, opera. Mm -hmm. They both went to uh, LAXA, which is the L.A. County High School for the Performing Arts. Yeah, the arts. yeah. And um, so they both had a lot of musical theater and opera training and all that. But my daughter has a beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. She started out on violin when uh, when she was three, oh played God. violin until she was about 14 or 15 and uh, soloed with orchestras and was doing this, hated it. She absolutely hated the what? violin, but we made her stick with it because she was so gifted. Yeah. And, and finally, when she was 14 or 15, uh, I acquiesced and said, okay, as long as you take something musically, mm -hmm. uh, you can you can Pick let your go of violin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she then went serious seriously into the voice and studied opera and um, uh, is is and and theory continued with her theory. Both mm -hmm. of them had to learn theory because mm -hmm. that was just I wouldn't let it go. Right. And she studied piano and she she's good on piano, good enough to play uh, some WC and things like that. And then both of them, Bach and WC and um, uh, and my son is learning Jado by Ravel uh, two measures at a time. And he's going to do it. Wow. Uh, but it's it's one of my go to pieces on the piano. Yeah. And he fell in love with it. It's one of the most. When did did you start pieces. them on music, or did they just kind of step oh, up no, to the piano? Start, no, we start like you brush their teeth. You you start them on music. It's just what they have to do. Yeah. What should I do? My son is three and a half. <laughs> I mean, well, he likes he likes standing at the piano, and we go over the notes, and he knows yeah. where middle C is, and we do we do match music, pitch. music camps, you know, like mommy and me type stuff. The piano play since they were eighteen months old. Put, we, we had them in piano play at uh, Sherman Oaks, mm -hmm. uh, the Shahid family. They're a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to start. And it's like a jamboree with mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. And we made music and, and It's just part of fun. normal life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This mm -hmm. is just what, this we is do. what you do. You, we go to church. We we learn music. I mean, this is what this household does. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny because when I sing, when my son's around, he always makes me stop. And when I sing, <laughs> I when I sing. that happens with every terrible. parent who is a singer. Yeah, the ch the children are like, stop, stop, stop. That takes you away from me. Yeah. Don't you know your singing is what keeps you away when you 
All right, homie. Yeah, so did you, I, I noticed that you said that you sent them to camp. Did you ever try and teach them yourself? Every Everybody that I talk to who's a musician with kids says they absolutely did not try to teach their own kids. Well, my mom taught us the notes. Mm -hmm. So as far as, you know, before they can protest, mm -hmm. like between the ages of eight months, my son started matching pitches at eight months old. I wow. have it on tape. Uh, where he, I would sing a note and he would sing the same note back to me. Mm -hmm. So, I, I before they know enough to yeah, you you're teaching them. I'm teaching them the notes at the same time they learn the alphabet. So mm -hmm. they learn the alphabet on the keyboard. Uh huh. That's how my that's how I learned it. I learned my ABCs on the piano, at least up till. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm already yeah. I'm already three years behind. No 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 no. no. <laughs> And 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 kids, they they will always discover. My my son's bedtime CD was written in the stone by Earth, Wind, and Fire. So mm -hmm. I had Earth, Wind, and Fire putting in the nursery playing. So he can't help but have the funk, you know. He's yeah. just got yeah, yeah, yeah. the soul because you you have to. And my daughter too, even though she studied opera, she is not inclined uh, to pursue opera as much as you know. She's she's just got a, a heart for. Um, contemporary and alternative music yeah. she's got a beautiful just beautiful voice yeah 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 she'll continue doing it boy i wish it was just part of the public schools nowadays i mean you have we to have spend to... a fortune to have music training now for yeah. kids or or uh, audition them and put them into a performing into arts a pro high school into a program and we did millican junior high which was a performing arts academy for middle school mm -hmm. we did that too mm -hmm. so that they would have dance they would have theater they mm -hmm. would have Choir, Are you involved that. politically with getting music into schools? Yes, Is that something yes, that you do? Grammy. I'm on the Grammy board. Let's talk about it. Uh, well, the Grammy board, um, the Grammy organization, NARIS, is working really hard mm -hmm. to make, uh, not not only to make music available, you know, educators and, and, and um, to make that available mm -hmm. in the schools, but also Grammys on the Hill to uh, protect the rights and the copyrights and the um, for for musicians and for songwriters, mm -hmm. and that that's a very serious issue right now. That just to protect a, a songwriter's uh, legacy, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's going away, and, and their right we, to make a living. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so that's that's a big issue. It's I bet not knowing her, her about knowing her about her probably helps. <laughs> yeah, right, with this, right, right. With this, Well, uh, it's like it's a nonpartisan issue. It's yeah. not a Republican. That's or right. Issue. That's right. It's, it is. Uh, not only do we need to keep music and arts in the schools, and we just have to have more respect Value for our, to, our to, artists, our composers, right. our our songwriters. Um, to to yeah, respect. the work that we produce is important to yeah. culture. I mean, you, to to be a, to be just being a human being. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the things that separates us from the other beasts of the world. So yeah, the ability to create art. Yeah, you don't you don't give up uh, copyrights. You know, you 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 don't see a a, a big uh, company saying oh we'll make public all our uh, inventions yeah, yeah no mm -hmm. no they they have you you have to pay them mm -hmm. for their patents are you mm -hmm. and that's because same. society values those things yeah. society doesn't value music in the way that it values other other things well that's what like we, everything else that's, that's what we as parents do that's when, right when my older two daughters when they found out that napster was not paying their artists they were like well we're not going to get music for Mm -hmm. And it was so uh, countercultural at that point in college because mm -hmm. kids were going, oh, I can download all this for free. Mm -hmm. And when we explained to Jessica and Nicole that it really isn't free, it's on, it's at the cost of the songwriter, the, mm -hmm. the, the engineers, the producers. The, mm -hmm. They were like, oh, well, that's not cool. And I think the new generation coming up is going, oh, uh, we, we do value Mm -hmm. the artist we do value and you have taylor swift and people like that bringing mm -hmm. that to light too mm -hmm. to say look it's not it's not just me right you know it, it, there are other people that are associated with my product that i can't give away their work for free right right and it has to be more than a, a lost leader for a lot of people yeah. you know i mean nowadays it seems like um people a lot of people release music knowing that they're not going to get paid for it just as a promotional tool to put yeah. people in seats in live arenas yeah, and now that's really the biggest. That's place the only way is to make money is yeah. to to fill up a big arena. Yeah, you take home a lot more money. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So, what do you have? Uh, 
plan in the future? Are you going to stick with what you're doing? Do you have any big projects that you're working on? I have what do you, several. I you have, do. I Anything you can many. talk about? I do. I want to talk about the Women in Film Alliance. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't know anything about there it. There is a uh, concert that's going to be August. Uh, it's either 18th or it's the Friday around the 18th. It's either the 17th or the 18th of right August. Now. I'm on the computer. And if you want to go on Facebook and look, look up Women in Film Alliance, mm -hmm. and uh, that's a... Uh, so August uh, 18th is a Thursday. Oh, so it'll be the 19th. 19th, yeah, Friday. Friday. Okay. Friday um, that's something that I'm putting together a choir for, and it's uh, uh, women composers. Just oh. Just really... Awesome. An anybody I know? Like, tell, Jermaine. Tell, okay. Jermaine Franco, nice. Laura Karpman, uh, Lolita Romanis, um, mm -hmm. uh, many, many others, uh, Nan Schwartz, uh, mm -hmm. um, Lily, Lily Hay Hayden. Mm -hmm. You know Lily? Mm -hmm. uh, um, and what kind of music is, is it? Is Penka. It... Penka is doing it. Uh -huh. It's a uh, classical. Wow. Uh, classical, uh, contemporary, vocal ensemble singing. Um, there's there's mostly orchestral. I see. With the addition of choral, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and where is that going to be? Uh, that's going to be downtown, and I don't know the exact okay. venue. All but, right. Uh, please look it up. Women in Film Alliance. And, and that's a that's an organization that you help put together. I'm, I know. I'm, I didn't help put together, but I gladly joined. Oh, how nice! I really want to support. Um, and want to see that um, altered. Sure. A bunch of bunch of women got into the academy this time around, mm -hmm. and that's that was a really big move on behalf of the academy because it, it they there was a dearth of women. It's there. fantastic. So they're there now. And so that that's going on. I'm working on t uh, two other film projects, mm -hmm. um, and have uh, uh, the Echo Society. What's uh, the Echo Society? It's a group of young composers that mm -hmm. showcase their works mm -hmm. and utilizing uh, professional uh, small orchestra and a group, a small group of professional singers that are just paid kind of bare minimum mm -hmm. just to support our new up and coming composers to make sure that their works can be heard and and performed. And that's coming up in August as well. That's exciting. Uh, so look up Echo Society and okay. find out who they are. And they're awesome composers. Um, then let's see what else. There's a, a Herb Alpert project coming up. What's he um, like to work with? Is he amazing? He's just amazing. Right. My, my husband has worked with him a, a good deal, mm -hmm. more than I have. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but uh, Herb Herb has uh, got an album coming out that's going to surprise a few people. Fantastic. Just, he's still he's still knocking it down. Right. There's no age limit. Music is, I, I don't know about you, I still get so excited. I still, I get so excited listening to music. I do too. I, and performing I, music. I love, the, I love just about everything about it, honestly. And when I'm conducting or up front, I have the best seat in the house and I hear these amazing i look out on the sea of faces knowing every single one i've prayed for every single one of them before the session they're there in front of me they know i love them they they can they give 200 percent. but what i get back is a the best seat in the house and then the ability to show composers what this town yeah is we're not joking of. yeah oh no this town can do anything yeah the singers in this town can do Anything. Yeah, I'm sure it's in other towns as well, but well, in this town is where yeah. I live, so I'm, I'm talking about L.A. So L.A. singers, you all rock. Well, I think this went well. <laughs> it was fun. Do you have anything else? Did we not cover something? Is there something else you want to talk about? Oh, no. No, I'm 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 all. I can talk about any different area. I feel like m my life has just been so un unbelievably full. Right. So amazingly rich with. Uh, from uh, Alice and Eleanor Schoenfeld to Lillian Stuber, and then working with um, uh, jingle producers, and uh, that's what music's done for me too. It's really, I'm, you know, I met my wife through music. All of my best friends are through music. Um, I think this business just attracts a certain type of person that um, m many, many businesses don't get the opportunity to to be around these types of people. I don't know if it's because music is so much fun. I think it's a combination of, of hard work and perseverance and grit, but then there's fun and passion and 
intellectualism and um, lots of heart. I think I, I really think that musicians are like a, a separate breed in some way. It, it, I, I think you it, it is more relational than solo. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I, I, I know there's amazing soloists out there that are, are good on their own you know, planet of or course. whatever it is. And, and I totally respect that. But for me, it's a collaborative effort mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. I might even have just a tiny part. Right. Uh, but I, if I get to be a part of something. The shared amazing. experience, right? Yeah. yeah. And just. Um, Where everybody's on the same page for just a brief moment of time. Oh, it's just. It's thrilling, isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah, I agree. We were at the Hollywood Bowl last night and listening to... Oh, the Harry... Uh, yeah, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. Listening to uh, uh, John Williams' score and realizing afterwards I was singing all these melodies that I didn't even knew that I knew. Yeah. And that were complicated. They're just part of but our vernacular. They just, they just get in there. They're so beautiful. The writing is so gorgeous. Eric Whitaker's writing is like this. So gorgeous. Yeah. Morton Lordson's writing is yeah. so gorgeous. And yeah. people, new people are coming up. New composers are coming in writing gorgeous stuff. And you're thinking, can, can we just as a planet just stop for a moment, take notice of this music and just let it fill us up for just a minute. And With you'll kindness. Know. Yeah. You'll just and know joy that, for each other. Yeah. Yeah. It, things would change. I know. I agree. Well, Edie, I love you. I thank you so much I for coming. Too, I really appreciate it. I appreciate it too. Thanks. Well, there you have it, folks. Edie Lehman Boddicker. I want to thank Edie for coming by. She's such a nice gal. It's the first time I've had a chance to sit down and talk with her for an hour straight. And, you know, I really liked her before she came in, and I liked her even more when she left. So it's always a good sign. I also want to thank Gregory Geiger for my awesome theme song. I love it, buddy. Why don't you go to laclassical.com, tell him I said hi. And to all of you out there, I really appreciate you, and thank you once again so very much for listening. See you next time. You like long walks and you wear clean pants, genius. Get on to my show.